This is the beginning point. This is the beginning of the rest of my life. I got the meaning, and I got to write it down, because I don't want to forget it. Just win, baby. Welcome back to the Gold Jacket Podcast with me, your host, as always, Gymnastic, and with me as always is Connor. Sorry, we're a little late. We were uh, getting a little heated there behind the scenes. <laughs> All right, man, it how was you a doing? lively debate. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Lively debate is definitely the way to way to say it for sure. Um, but I mean, we, there's obviously there's gonna be so many lively debates this offseason, so I absolutely love it. Um, it's nice to be back on with you, Jim. I did the uh, the draft show over the weekend, but it feels like it's been way too long since that last Gold Jacket podcast. Um, I'm repping the Eagles gear. Super proud of my boys this weekend at the draft, especially Devonte Smith. We'll get into that. Um, but we have a special guest on, and this special guest today is Luke. Sawhook at Luke Sawhook on Twitter is where you can find him. And, you know, I consider myself to be a social media guru because I'm running the True North one. But this dude, this dude puts me to shame. He's he's running the Dynasty Nerds, the FTN Network. He's working with all that. He's writing for Fantasy Pros and Fan Sided. And he's trying to take Aaron Rodgers' job on Jeopardy with Fantasy Football Jeopardy right now. <laughs> Luke, my man, what's up? How's it going, boys? Uh, we chatted a good bit behind the scenes as we were talking about earlier. We got into some de- uh, debates. We might get into some more today. I'm sure we will. Uh, it should be a good time. Uh, thanks for having me on, boys. Uh, as you said, yeah, I do some social media and stuff. Uh, Dynasty Nerds, fan-sided, prediction strikes, scores, and stats. If you want to check them out, they're all in my bio, I'm pretty sure. Well, not all of them, two of them. Um, but yeah, I write, do little rankings here and there, make content on my own page for whatever, but, you know, is what it is. Oh, yeah, I also host Jeopardy now, so that's fun. Anyway, um, <laughs> we have a good show today. I'm not trying to take over as the host here, but we're going to talk some landing spots, and it should be a good time. Definitely, definitely. And yeah, you're, you're, you may be trying to steal Aaron Rodgers' job here, and he's definitely looking for one. So, so be careful. Like, you got to taper a little bit and kind of suck for a few weeks while he figures out his Packers situation. <laughs> but That's a hot yeah. mess. <laughs> man, we could make a whole episode about that, man. It, oh, boys. But let, let's dive into it. Let's dive right into the wide receivers and um, let, let's talk about obviously the big names and their landing spots. I, I, I drew three bit, four big names, but obviously there may be some more big names for other people. Let, but let's start with Jamar Chase. So Jamar Chase went to the Cincinnati Bengals. Immediate reaction for some people was, oh, my God, Joe Burrow's not even going to be able to stand like he's going to tear his other ACL. You know, the reaction was meh. But at the end of the day, you now have a wide receiving core of Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd with Joe Mixon out of the backfield. Um, So we'll start with you, Luke. What was your reaction to this? And, And do you think he can still be the alpha? Do you think he can still be the stud and that people don't have to stress the landing spot in this situation? 
Yeah, well, that's a fantastic question. So for me, I've always been beating the drum for uh, Panay Sewell uh, to go to the Cincinnati Bengals number five. Obviously, they did not do that. I honestly think that it was in their best interest to draft Sewell and take a guy like Terrace Marshall Jr. in the second round, uh, which looking back on the draft, they could have. Um, but they did not do that. They instead decided to go for the flair, therefore they go go for the gusto, go for the jersey sales, if you will, and draft Jamar Chase at number five. Uh, at the end of the day, I do not hate the pick for the team-building standpoint of their franchise. They did need another wide receiver. Uh, they did not need someone as premium as a guy like Jamar Chase. They could have easily got a guy uh, to fill in with T. Higgins and Tyler Borden in the second or third round, in my opinion. So I did not like the pick as much as it could have been. Uh, with Sewell, but I do like the draft choice. And to answer your question, Connor, I do think that Jamar Chase slots in immediately as the X receiver in that offense. And he is truly the best talent in the receiving core, in my opinion. Obviously, they could take some time to translate, but I do think he will be the wide receiver one from a real life NFL standpoint. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, we're a fantasy podcast, so we can definitely talk about from a fantasy just as much as a real life one. But at the end of the day, for me, I said this is someone where you might have to wait a year or two. They, this might you might not see the true ceiling, the true like what you're looking for in the alpha stud receiver right off the bat. Especially considering Joe Burrow likely won't be ready for Week One. We'll have to see. I about think he that. will be, honestly. Yeah, I think it's mixed reviews on him, but we'll move over to you, Jim. Um, what are your thoughts on the Jamar Chase? There's a lot of people fading T. Higgins. Are we at the point where we should be fading I kind of T. Higgins? So no, Luke's I'm fading. Him, man. No, I'm buying I'm not him. fading. I'm buying him. Well, I'm buying him. <laughs> um, so there's a couple of things. <clears throat> when the pick went in, um, I, I agree. Like Luke, I thought it should have been Sewell. But as the draft went, like offensive offensive uh, line positions, they they dropped pretty significantly in this draft. Like I thought, the Steelers should have hammered one in the first round and waited a little bit to take running back. They didn't. Like, but it still paid off. Like that, uh, those offensive line positions, they fell a little bit further than I thought. But so with the pick of Jamar Chase, it signified one thing specifically to me, and that is who is the Tiger King. We all saw that picture on the throne where Mixon was sitting on the throne and there was debate, is Mixon the Tiger King? No, it's Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow called his fucking shot. He wanted Jamar Chase. They got him, Jamar Chase. To like When Pat Mahomes asked for it at 32, that's 32. That's a little different. Uh, it's not as significant draft capital. Yeah, you get the extra year on CEH, but like to sink the fifth pick overall – on a wide receiver that your quarterback wants and a, and one that I don't think you're going to have to wait two years with Connor. Cause he does have the, has the chemistry. He does know already like uh, when interviews where I've heard like Reggie Wayne talking about and Marvin Harrison talking about, and they said like, oh. you really get, get your, get your tire, your timing with a quarterback like, like four years in three, four years in is like when you really start to hit your, your chemistry and timing. He's played with Joe Burrow for already a couple of years. So like, I don't think you're going to be waiting the two, three years for him on it. As far as like an alpha screams a lot to like Tampa Bay similarities with uh, Evans and Godwin there where one, a one B like, who's your one, a who's your going to be your one B. It's definitely not going to be Tyler Boyd. I'll tell you that Um, between Higgins, between Higgins and Chase though, I'm going to be taking a lot of Higgins because he's just cheaper. It's just a lot cheaper. I mean, even in your fantasy drafts right now, you can draft Jamar Chase and you can immediately trade him for T. Higgins plus. No problem. 
Uh, see, I'd much rather be rostering Jamar Chase and T. Higgins right now. Um, I think that Tyler Boyd will st- – I think there's a world where Tyler Boyd sees the majority of the targets there next season just because their offensive line is so poor, so the depth of target will be down. Um, I think that if anyone hurts the most from the Jamar Chase draft, I think it's T. Higgins, honestly, I, from the ceiling. I think there's a easily a world next year where all three of these guys are top 30 easily, top 24 not so as easily. But I think the ceiling for all three of these guys suffers a little bit. Um, I think that top three is out of the question for Jamar Chase or T. Higgins until one of the three leaves, uh, honestly. I mean, top three obviously is extreme dominance. Um, but I do think the ceiling is a bit handicapped. And I do think that it's very unlikely we see T. Higgins finish as a wide receiver one next season. Oh yeah, I can I can definitely agree to that. I mean, you're looking at top twelve wide receivers, and when you think about it, like who are you moving out of of who's there now to put him in there with Jamar Chase coming in? And listen, I get there's a lot of vacated targets there. Like, I mean, AJ over Green 100. alone, yeah, AJ Green alone vacates at the wide receiver position well over hundred. I think close to hundred and twenty targets. So, I mean, at the end of the day, there's plenty of work there that can be taken advantage of. And I mean, I think Jamar Chase can be the alpha. Absolutely. Like you wouldn't, you are not drafting at the one. Oh, what were they? One Oh five. And saying, we're not getting the alpha. That's the issue with the T Higgins debate that I have. You don't draft Jamar Chase without knowing you are getting a alpha. You are getting a guy who's going to take over that offense. Who's going to change that offense. That's a game changer. Top 10 draft capital. That's a game changer. This isn't even fantasy speak. This is real life speak. You don't take a wide receiver. You don't take uh, someone in the top 10 who's not going to completely change that offense. And that's why I agree. Higgins is cheaper. Definitely. There's so much potential there in that offense with how many targets there are because of the negative game script, because they've almost completely ignored the defensive side of the football. I get it. I understand that. And I can see that, but what happens when things start to even out on the offensive and the defensive side of the ball and the target, and it isn't 600 attempts and we're getting closer to the 500 closer to that area. And you lose a hundred targets Jamar Chase is the alpha, and Jamar Chase is going to demand the bulk of those targets. And then you got the other guys in the room. You got the Boyds, you got the Higgins, you got the Joe Mixon. Puka Williams is there right now, but what type of impact he's going to have? I mean, obviously, he's not Gio Bernard. He's not the stash. So, obviously, we know that the targets aren't going to be that big for him there. But, like, that's my thing. Like, he's an alpha. You don't draft him in the top five not to be an alpha and not to overtake pretty much anyone who's on roster. Absolutely. Teams get it wrong a lot of time though in the NFL with taking taking wide receivers early, taking fucking you anti-Jamar Chase? I'm not anti-Jamar Chase, but just to say that top five automatically means he's an alpha. Well, I watched Trent Richardson walk. I'm just saying, like, I watched Trent Richardson in the running back position walk in, walk out. See you later. Uh, Henry Ruggs last year was the first running or first wide receiver taken off the board. Should he have been? Absolutely. Stop fucking it. not. Should have been, should have been no, CD Lamb all, no. all day, all day, every day. Yeah, stop. Listen, but that's I'm a bad saying, That's the bad. The, the, bad that's the Vegas Raiders. That is a Vegas I'm Raiders. just saying to just say top five is automatically like bus proof is or. That he's automatically better than T. Higgins is all well, I'm saying is, is is you can get a one A, one B out of him. Not 
again, one's going to be completely dominant. I understand the one A one B. We saw it with Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, both top twelve wide receivers. Or Chris Godwin absolutely set the world ablaze I'm, a couple of years. I'm ago. I'm not even going to say they're going to be top twelve, but I just mean with within there, there's not a there's not a true alpha. I don't I don't believe with with those two. Well, if you're looking at player type and where they play, I think T Higgins is more of a big body, uh, like consistent guy. Uh, but Jamar Chase is built like the dominant X receiver that every team wants. And that's why I think that everyone thinks that he's going to be the alpha. It'd be different if he was a slot receiver or a smaller guy who plays more on the inside, kind of like Justin Jefferson last year, who was more of a slot dude. Um, but he is an outside X receiver. And I think that we're going to see the same exact role for him in Cincinnati. And he's going to be getting a bulk of the targets. I don't know if he's going to be getting the majority because Tyler Boyd is going to get a lot, I think. And that's another thing that brings into question for me is because like even in really successful offenses, I mean, what's the best like fantasy trio offense we've ever seen? I can't even like I can't think of it off the top of my head. Um, I know that we've seen a lot of successful duos: Antonio Brown, Juju, Chris Godwin, and Mike Evans, Calvin Ridley, and Julio Jones, to name a few. But I don't really know of, of any really successful trios. I just don't know if the pie is large enough for all three receivers to eat and have a ceiling that is high enough for really good fantasy success. Especially for, for me, it's from a fantasy perspective, like exactly like you said, finding a trio that you're going to get two wide receiver twos and an RB1 or vice versa. Like one of them has to end up becoming a one in some form or fashion if you're looking at a trio. And the idea that that, that this trio works out the way that they want it to, especially with the way that offensive line is, I mean, I don't I don't know if I agree. Um that, that that can work and that that can happen. And I mean, Jim, we're going to, we'll transition into this next name with this. If this were Jalen Waddle, we could be talking a very different tone. We could be very, talking a very different situation than Jamar Chase right now. So with that in mind, I'll transition over to Jalen Waddle and landing on the Miami Dolphins, which feels like one of the optimal fantasy landing spots out there through this draft. Um, so let's start with you and your instant reaction, Jim, on Jalen Waddle to the Miami Dolphins. So after talking to uh, Charlie Campbell and Damian Parsons, like I like Jalen Waddle, the NFL player. I like the way they were talking about he's probably one of the more pro-ready NFL wide receivers and can do more with what more NFL teams are looking for. And don't be surprised if he's taken off the board. Like, you know, what do you say? First, second wide receiver off the board. Don't be surprised if, if he's coming off Jalen Waddle. He'll come off before Devontae Smith. Like everything he said was right on. So, and I've said this in TNFF chats before. It's like, if I don't like a wide receiver or any, any prospect, say I'm lower on a prospect. If the NFL takes them, Higher, like if I had Jalen Waddle going in the third and then he gets the first round draft capital, I have to adjust somewhat. I know I just said like it doesn't it doesn't exclude him from being a bust because it can totally they totally get it wrong. But I have to adjust somewhat because he you are going to get opportunities with the draft capital, but whether or not they're going to pan out is another is another uh form, right? So like you get opportunities, just like Jamar Chase is going to get opportunities if the line holds up for him 
for for Burrow. But like, if if they pan out with those opportunities, you know, what I mean, that's the thing. Like, if if the opportunities will pan out, so like he'll get them. I was lower on him pre draft. I'll be honest, I didn't think he was going to be the wider second wide receiver off the board. Um, but then I went back after talking to Damian, and I can he does do more. He's not just a one trick pony. So he's not really a typical alpha wide receiver either. So he's probably not going to see top coverage. I'm not really hundred percent sure in that entire offense though. Like I like, I like Tua. It's just, it's really hard to read. I don't know. I don't know how, like how, how pass heavy they're going to be. I'm not really sold on the running back. The only guy I really like in that offense is Tua. I'm not a big fan of really any of the receivers. So it's probably, Probably Waddle though. I don't know. I'm not really taking them though, and and drafts though. Like I'm not I'm not taking them. So. Yeah, obviously it is it is rich what you're looking at with them. I mean, I'm a big yak guy. You know me. I love yards after the catch. I think it's a huge thing, and it's only becoming a bigger thing in the NFL, and only becoming a bigger thing in fantasy now. That you look at yards after the catch, and what can you do for me today? If you can run 20 yards down the field and your average depth of target is 18 yards, well, it's a whole, we're talking a whole different thing. If your average depth of target is six yards and then you're producing 15, 16 yards after the catch, well, that's a whole different ball game too. So, like, I think the yards after the catch, a lot of coaches are going to look at it that way is what are you going to do for me today? Like, and, and Jalen Waddle for me is one of those yards after catch guys. It's a guy you're going to have to rely on that. If he starts showing that he can't produce like that in the NFL, then you're definitely, there's definitely some areas of concern. There's definitely some issues, but I mean, he, it, it is rich. It is rich. Jalen Waddle, what you're getting out of him now is definitely rich because of the landing spot. But I mean, I disagree with you. I think, like, overall, like, so they took Hunter Long. So they got Hunter Long. They got Mike Kosicki. They got Will Fuller on the outside as your Z receiver. You got your your X receiver as uh, as uh, Devontae Parker. You got your slot now as Jalen Waddle. I mean, I think if there's any, like, yeah, you definitely have to like what Tua has, what he's what, what he's got now on the field. It's like if you continue to fail, there's there's no way we can trust you. But at the end of the day, it's like they've created this really good offense, I think. I mean, the running back position is questionable. Like you said, they've created a really good offense. You got really, two really good tight ends. You got three really good receivers who do three completely different things. And I think Jalen Waddle can walk into this and and succeed. I think he really can. He's worked with Tua before. I think he can succeed. Here's my thing. I think they got a really good NFL offense. I don't think they have a really good fantasy offense. So, like, like, again, we're talking NFL and we're talking fantasy. Like, if you're talking fantasy, the only guy I'd really want out of that is the guy throwing the ball because he's going to probably spread around to every one of those wide receivers you just talked about. Not one of them strikes fear in in, uh, defensive backs, probably hearts, man. Like, nobody's, like, plotting for a whole week. We got to stop Devontae Parker. Like, He's not none of those guys are Julio Joneses or, or your nukes or your or your Calvin Ridley's or or like you know what I mean like nobody's nobody's scheming for any of those three guys. Will Fuller, what's he gonna play? Eight games for you? Tops? Maybe six? Like he played a full season last year. It's like well, PDs. <laughs> I know, but I mean, he doesn't don't impact your like your injury concerns, I don't think. I don't know. I mean I know he is an injury prone player, but I think that the, like you said, the Miami Dol- Dolphins have a good real-life offense. 
I don't really know if it'll transition into fantasy. Uh, can you put the comment on the screen from Brother Matt in the YouTube chat, please? I want to talk about that for a second. Um, I disagree with that take about uh, you can't love Jalen Waddle without hating. Sorry, you can't love Jalen Waddle and hate Henry Ruggs. Um, I don't like that take personally. I think Jalen Waddle is a lot more well-rounded of a wide receiver, and Henry Ruggs is a lot more of a downfield vertical threat only. Uh, Waddle can run routes, and he can get open, and he can take screens to the house. Uh, Henry Ruggs is a lot, a lot more of a straight line. Uh, he goes zoom kind of wide receiver. And I think Jalen Waddle is in a better position for real-life success because he has other players around him who are competent pass catchers on the outside. Uh, Henry Ruggs is pretty much the only talented wide receiver in Las Vegas, aside from Darren Waller, who's a tight end. So the the uh, opportunities are extremely different, and I think that Waddle's in a much better position to succeed. But for fantasy, I think his ceiling is a wide receiver two this year. I don't think in, there's any world where he hits wide receiver one dumb, unless he absolutely goes nuclear and sets the world on fire and becomes like Tyreek Kill two. But I don't think that's going to happen, uh, personally. And I think there's a lot of question marks with him. Uh, Miami, like you said, there's not really a good running back. I think Gaskin will be a great value in redraft leagues this year, personally, for fantasy football. But Tua, um, I'm kind of, I, I, I go back and forth on Tua a lot. I think that he still has great potential, and he was in a really strange situation his rookie year with winning games uh, in your rookie season and being cool with Fitzpatrick and confidence and some injuries and not the best weapons in the world. Uh, but now you have Waddle, Gasicki. Uh, uh, Hunter Long and all these other weapons that you have, even though Long's more of a blocking guy, but you know what I mean. But they have him in a position for success. I just don't know if Tua Tagovailoa will be a fantasy football quarterback. I think he's a lot more of a pocket passer than we imagined, and I think that we could really see him be like a Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins kind of fantasy quarterback rather than a high-scoring fantasy quarterback week in, week out, top five potential. I think he's going to be a lot more likely to be a quarterback 16 to 8 range more than 8 plus if that makes sense and I don't really know if I want that on my fantasy team yeah I mean he's he's definitely good as your as your second or your third option and and Tua is my obviously Tua it was my QB1 he was Jim's QB1 last year in rookies and I, I think I still stand by it because I think there's still the potential if you build the right offense around him that he can become more but if he continues to show that he's just because in fantasy, you don't love the smart quarterbacks. The smart quarterbacks, the safe quarterbacks, aren't necessarily the ones you want. Like Derek Carr, yeah, he's a great – Jim, we'll, we'll ignore Jim's potential comments that might come from this. He's a re- – listen, he's a really good, good – he's a really good, true – NFL quarterback. He really is. His completion percentages are through the roof. His intelligence and football IQ is through the roof. We can't deny that because every season he's at the top. No, 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 definitely not. For for who was it again? I missed it for some reason. Derek Carr. Derek Carr. Yeah, Derek Carr's a great real life quarterback. Yeah, exactly. And, And like, but you don't want him on fantasy. If he's your third quarterback, great. Like he's a good guy to potentially have there just in case injuries or something happens. But I'm starting to come around to the idea that if we see the same thing from Tua for through the first four to five games of the season, I'm starting to become concerned with my QB one take from from the rookie his rookie season because I'm starting to believe that maybe he is just a safe quarterback. 
maybe that's that's what he is. Maybe he's a safe, high football IQ quarterback who just doesn't want to throw the interceptions. He wants to make the smart play. He wants to hit the right guy. But if everything clicks in this offense, if you have Will Fuller clicking, whether it be for eight games, whether it be for 14 games, I know he can't have a full season. What it, If Waddle can click, if Parker can click, like – definitely we have potential with Tua. And I just want to say for the Waddle and Ruggs debate before before we move on, Ruggs is a true Z receiver. He is the truest Z receiver you can possibly get. They, and oh, here we Yeah, go. I, I had the same question. Why was Tua your QB1? I think he was definitely Joe Burrow for me. But it's just because of Tua's injuries, mostly. But I still okay, so, did like Joe Burrow's film more than to us. Okay, so for me, there was a couple things. Um, I liked like I liked the fact that like Tuo to me wasn't a scrambling quarterback. Even when he did scramble outside the pocket, he always kept his eyes downfield. He was always looking to throw until the last possible second. I liked that. I liked the fact that Tuo to me was a winner. I didn't like the fact that I more knocked Joe Burrow too on the fact that he got beat out by like Dwayne Haskins at Ohio State before he oh, transferred. Oh come on! He was a one. He was he was a one year one year solidified tape guy where he showed like one like one year stats like one year crazy stats. And before you go, oh come on, Dwayne Haskins threw for fucking fifty touchdowns in college. And I know, but all, that was like two years ago though. That was like, doesn't matter. Moved. He He's saying. I understand he developed, but as of one year, he showed me one year of fucking one year of good solid tape. Just the same as like guys knocked Herbert with four four offensive coordinators and his up and down tape. Herbert was okay. He should have he should have got a pass for his down years on learning fucking four offensive systems. Mm-hmm. Didn't everybody knocked him down? He only had one good year of tape, and everyone said, "Oh, it's only one good year." But with Burrow, because it was sixty touchdowns and one good year of tape. Unquestioned, unquestioned, he was the best one. Where Tua gave you more consistency in college, gave you more, way more consistent college tape. Yeah, I mean, I guess it all depends if you were going off of tape or if you're going off of analytics and and what like how much you weighed in either direction. Because from an analytics standpoint, like like Joe Burrow was an absolute monster for you that year before. Like that year that you're watching the tape and you're you're trying to figure out is he the QB one or is is Tua the QB one? And and the tape was still pretty nice for Tua. The analytics was still pretty nice for Tua. It's just the injury. The injury stepped in and, and reared its ugly head. And then the there was the issue there in transition into the NFL. And Brian Flores didn't seem to not want him to fail or seem to not want him to taste defeat or anything. And he would always transition to Fitzpatrick. That's why I don't think we've seen the truest form of Tua yet. And and that's why he's still my QB1. And I still stand by because I don't think we've seen true Tua, like the Tua that we saw in college transition you, to the NFL like that- we need to. You still think and that, like, like, five years from now, two will be the best quarterback from this class? Every, don't know about that, but every year, like, there's always a quarterback that's never talked about being taken in the first round. This year was Zach fucking Wilson. Who was talking about Zach Wilson in the beginning of the fucking college season? Nobody. Nobody, Nobody was talking about him. Boom. Second overall. You know what I mean? Like, it happens all the time where there's a quarterback. Nobody gave a shit about Joe Burrow before his fucking 60-touchdown season. Nobody was talking about him. Everyone was talking about yeah. Tua. But it was also that, like the most impressive thing. run of a cor- like a college quarterback season like ever. Like he went through the gauntlet. Like he ran the SEC gauntlet and put I'm just up saying, the numbers doing it. 
up until that moment, it, nobody gave a shit about him, and everyone it was solid. It was Tua. Tua was the quarterback one of that class up until yep. then. So there's more consistency behind that. I'm not. It could be a flash in the pan, you know what I mean? Like that could be a hill I die on, but like that was uh, coming in. I'm gonna take the guy that, that gave me more consistency, and and that was Tua coming in because one year of tape you can turn into really really good quarterback, or you could be fucking Mitch Trubisky, man. I, I get know that. Those, so you you were scared seasons. by Burrow's one year wonder when you've had years of tape of Tua. Is what you were saying? Yes. Okay. Yes. That makes sense. I understand that from a risk aversion standpoint. That's fine. I understand that. Yo, what's up, Nate? I see you in the chat, bro. Uh, fan, <laughs> fantasy Jeopardy <laughs> champion from the night. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. As much as much as I love talking about quarterbacks, we'll transition back to yeah. receivers and we'll move over to Philadelphia here with Devontae Smith. Um, here comes Connor. Yeah. I, it, okay. Well, first of all, when you have a receiving, when you have a receiving core headline by Travis Fulgham, Jalen Rager, and Greg Ward, you cannot help but get hyped about Devontae Smith. So my apologies for getting hyped about that. But for me, back the biggest first round picks, man, that's awesome. For me, for me the biggest, th- <laughs> the, the biggest thing for me is like I I think he helps Jalen Rager a lot. So if you're like selling Jalen Rager, you're having issues trusting Jalen Rager. I think this is huge. Devontae Smith produced 52% of his college yardage in yards after the catch. So for the people who are talking about his size and that they're concerned about his size, I'll absolutely take any type of discount you want to give on him, especially from a fantasy standpoint, because it's all about get him the ball early, get him the ball often, and this man will produce for you. And I think that stands true in the NFL because so many people are like, oh, the SEC or oh, the SEC is where the best competition is for a quarterback. But then when you look at their wide receiver side of the ball, it's not the same story. We can't argue the same thing. It's like you're facing the most NFL-ready cornerbacks. You're facing the people that you expect to face in the NFL. And yet we're sitting there and we're like, oh, the quarterback debate can be leaning that way because they're in the SEC. But the wide receiver debate can't be the same way. Devontae Smith was eating these cornerbacks alive. So for me, it can he be a wide receiver one? The last time the Philadelphia Eagles had a wide receiver one was 2014. His name was Jeremy Macklin. Do I think it's going to happen? Do I think it's going to happen? No. Can he be a wide receiver two? And I'm going to say this, taper expectations, a low end wide receiver two, 100%. From 20 to 24, I 100% think that he could do that, especially reuniting with Jalen Hurts. And they're trying to give Jalen Hurts the best opportunity. Next season, yeah. I think he has a wide receiver one ceiling. He is the clear cut target leader there. Not the wide receiver one. I think there's a world where he finishes in the top 12 next season. Jalen Hurts, if he shows fantasy okay listen it's fantasy football right their defense is not going to be anything special we've seen peak jalen hurts where he can air it out for 400 total yards and four touchdowns in a game fantasy points will be scored in that offense and who will be receiving the bulk amount of the receptions it'll be devonta smith and if he develops into the superstar receiver we saw in college last year and stays healthy he will dominate it's Mm not we don't live in a world anymore where rookie receivers can't do anything We've seen Justin Jefferson, CeeDee Lamb, DK Metcalf, Terry McLaurin come in recently and make a serious impact. I'm not saying he's going to finish as a wide receiver one, but there is certainly a reality where he finishes inside the top 12 next season. I mean, I can see it if really the game script is negative and you see these guys bombing the ball 500 times down the field. But I also, 
realize that there there is an expectation there that you know you got Jalen Hurts who's going to run the ball you got Kenneth Gainwell who's going to be a part of the passing game and I think a lot of people underrate how important he's going to be to the passing game in Philadelphia interesting and then you got Miles Sanders and then you got Jalen Rager who is bound to do a bit more I think he's bound to do a bit more I think he's bound to get like even if you see Devontae Smith get 120 targets I wouldn't be surprised if you can see Jalen Rager go out and get 70 or 80 targets and start to show a little bit of flash of what we expected with the first round pick last season. Who knows, man? <clears throat> I'm Comment, avoiding comments from you, that. Jim. I'm just, I'm, avo- I have some Rager from last year because if anybody knows me, I was pretty high on Rager. How dare um, you? I'm not taking Smith. Uh, Why? He's going because he's going pretty high. Most of the teams already got Rager. I don't agree with. There's a clear cut. He's the number one. Like, how is he I don't not? think there's because there's no fucking thing clear cut about Philadelphia at all. Well, dude, listen. They don't, they'll make they don't even have a clear cut quarterback. If fucking it's Jalen Hurts throws one, if Jalen Hurts throws one pick in series two, they no, don't no, even have a fucking no, clear no, cut no, starting no, no, quarterback. No, according no, to Connor. No, wait, no, listen, want, no, listen, I'm just saying. Jim, this is this is this is some Jim, Jim, this is some tongue in cheek with Connor with. They don't even know who they really want. They'll throw no, up. We want another quarterback. Yeah, I got it, Connor. <laughs> take it, Luke. Take Jim, it. Who? Okay, there's, you said there's no there's clear no, cut wide receiver one in Philly. There's no, no clear cut anything in fucking. There's oh, no clear cut anything, anything in fucking Listen, Philly. Who the fuck is the wide receiver one? If it's not Devonta Smith, we saw Travis fucking Fulgham succeed last year as the wide receiver one in Philly. Take me, give me the Heisman Trophy winning wide receiver from last year and Devonta Smith. If he's healthy for 16 games, sorry, 17 games, that man is going to feast. You put a lot and, of stock listen, in a guy that's listen, never Jim, in an NFL Jim, snap. Jim, so his – You want a Heisman comp- wide receiver, Jim? Jim I think he's Jim, His competition is Joe is Flacco. first-round fucking pass. There's another first-round wide receiver, though. That's no, what I'm saying. Listen, it's not just clear cut. He's got another fucking first-round wide receiver in the room. We saw Jim, Jalen Rager by himself last year, and he did nothing. Jim, uh, his company, I saw Jalen Rager last year start to have chemistry with Jalen Hurts when he started to come on, actually. Jalen squared. Jalen squared happened. I'm but saying, Jim, I saw his, them start, Jim, to, start to have fantasy points. There is one thing that has been said about that this draft spoke volumes to what they're doing with Jalen Hurts. They are giving him this season. They are 100% giving him the opportunity. And before you say nothing is certain – Joe Flacco. Yeah. Joe Flacco no, no, no. is his okay. competition, and a UDFA in yeah, yeah, Jamie yeah, Newman. Are you his know I'm fucking joking around with you and your tongue. That, this is, those yeah. are comments from you. He's but stoned listen, for his for life. The same, for, for the for the same reason I just talked about Miami and why I don't want any of their fucking wide receivers as my wide receiver one because there's no clear cut anything there. No. I'd only want the quarterback that's going to throw it to him. I'll take Jalen Hurts absolutely. Yeah, because. He's gonna be stuck. I, I don't think it's gonna be one way or the other. It'll be fucking week to week. It'll be whoever the hell is open for him, like just to win games. He doesn't give a shit about fucking Pepper and Devontae Smith with 120, 130, 140 fucking targets. He just cares about getting the ball out and keeping his fucking job. Yeah, but who's gonna be Philly? his first read? Devontae Smith. Let's see. Let's see. 
That's the, the issue. There's a, there's a difference for me in Jalen Hurts. Okay, so Jalen Hurts, the one thing, the one common theme in Philadelphia, they will boot a quarterback in a goddamn heartbeat. Take a look at the shirt. Take a look at the jerseys behind me. They will boot these motherfuckers in a heartbeat, but they will not boot some of the weapons. If they get the right weapons in place, Devontae Smith is there. Zach Ertz has been there. Dallas Goddard's there. He's been there. He's proven a weapon that you can rely on. That's why this is a one I'm not saying he's going anywhere. Different. I'm just saying you guys are both anointing a guy that won the Heisman Trophy as a wide receiver. Also, but he's in a fucking wide receiver room with another first-round wide receiver. Who did nothing no last year. Jim, listen, when you said did that nothing. He, he was the one that hurt. He is, this is his fantasy finishes last year, right? Five points, eight points, zero, 13.2, eight, nine, four, ten, eight, eight, six, two point five. I'm just saying that's nothing. You want to talk about the guys who had true chemistry with Jalen Reger? Go ahead, go ahead Reg- and take fucking Devontae Smith. Go ahead. I love him. And then tell me when he finishes fucking wide receiver one. Because he's he not won't. going to, I don't think. I None think of them that's the point. None There's of a realm of possibility where it certainly happens. I think he and definitely you guys are just like anointing a guy though too early. I'm not what? anointing him at all. I'm saying his ceiling is a wide receiver one. I think he will finish as a wide receiver two next year minimum. You guys are and also I, fucking I calling on an outlier wide receiver. Like again, I'm not. I'm not the guy that pokes on the weight thing, but like. You guys are just anointing again. 170 pound wide receiver has never been done in the NFL again before. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not man. a guy that game. I don't gamble on the outliers. I don't reach for those fucking Tyree kills again. Like I didn't reach hit one, one by axe. I got him at yeah. the 109 in the superflex draft. Yeah, I think I it's up for debate if you're reaching for him. Honestly, like that. That's the. That's the difference. Like if you look at like what? How many wide receivers went before him? Uh, Jalen Waddle. Jamar Chase, and uh, that's end of list. But, but that's all there has to be. That's all there has to be. Do you expect Rashad Bateman to go before? Because we're going to transition to Rashad Bateman. Do you expect Rashad Bateman to go before Devontae Smith? Do you expect that that expect? So let's start with that. Devontae Smith or Rashad Bateman based solely on what we know now and the landing spot and the situation that they've landed in because we're moving into the Rashad Bateman discussion now. So, Jim? I'm just I'm against it as a whole max value thing as as we were talking about even before like he's even at 109 I'd rather fucking trade out for a 2022 first fuck it because you'd rather that's have 2022 not, first over Devontae then Devontae yeah yeah really? I would I love Devontae yeah, I no I think I, he's a really good talent I can crush fucking wide receivers though I don't need them and you know what I mean I don't need the outlier he's a 170 pound wide receiver if he hits I can buy him later he's not going to be as expensive as the guys that I can get now. Especially for you, that fucking. Who would you rather buy with the one ten than draft Javante Smith? Like or anyone? One ten? Yeah. Who would I rather draft with the one ten than Devontae Smith? I'm telling you, I'd fucking put it up on the block. I trade it out. Brother, brother Matt saying he got him at one twelve. So are you straight that up. against Devontae Smith that if if he's in the first round, you just straight up. 12 team, I'll tra- 14 I'll tra- team, I'll tra- whatever. To the second. I'll trade I mean, it, it was a wide receiver that was drafted at pick. What was it? Pick 12, I believe. 10. Right? 10, 10. We traded up. He right. was 10. Pick 10. He was 10. He's a top 10 real life NFL wide receiver pick. I mean, that's heavy draft capital invested. They traded up for him. I mean, they're going to feed him. I just think that it's a huge investment. You're betting on an outlier. It, the only way in hell that he does not succeed is injury. That's it. That is the only there's, reason. There's more than that. Team. There's more. There's Why? scheme. 
There's fucking the whole overall talent of the fucking of the of the team can fucking implode. All there's I like, know, <laughs> all I know, Jim, is if I see player. any type of love for Rondale Moore or Tutu Atwell, let me tell you, I'm gonna come right I'm after not. you. That's fine. I, the, Go yeah, ahead. Good, you good. I just hope. I just hope. <laughs> all right, let's move on to Rashad Bateman. Yeah, let's move on to Rashad Bateman though. So. Okay, Rondell so, Moore is oh, cheaper though. I'm just saying, if you wanted to go for either, <laughs> I don't like Rondell Moore. The Baltimore the Ravens. The Baltimore Ravens. So they traded in. They traded Orlando Brown to move into the first, the end of the first round, so that they could have two first rounders. It was pretty obvious at that point that they were going wide receiver. They went with Rashad Bateman. Great value. First round pick. Real life. Definitely, definitely some decent value. So let's shift the focus to fantasy. Are we trusting? The Lamar Jackson's going to throw better. He's going to clean up his throwing game. That Rashad Bateman and Thielen Wallace and Mar- Marquise Brown are actually going to be worthwhile fantasy assets. Let's start I, with you, Jim. Or Luke, Luke. You can Jim go, Luke. Start. That's fine. No, that's I want to. You can go, Luke. I right, just yeah, kind of ranted I'll, there. For I'll, I'll start it up, and I think he's going to come. <laughs> he's going to come try to kill me again. Um, <laughs> the question that you posed, Connor, who will be worthwhile? rostering from the Baltimore Ravens. I think the only target not named Mark Andrews worth rostering next season will be Rashad Bateman. Well, not next year for dynasty purposes. I think that I actually saw a quote somewhere on Twitter that someone quote tweeted from a beat reporter or something. Uh, I don't know it. So I'm not going to try to cite it, but uh, just take my word for it. Um, I, I strongly believe that they will change their scheme at least slightly to pass the ball more to their wide receivers. Listen, I get it. Baltimore was 32nd in passing volume in the NFL last year. We all know it. They don't pass the ball to their wide receivers at all. They pass the running backs out of the backfield a little, and they pass their tight end, and they run the football. That's that's the Baltimore Ravens. I'm a Steelers fan. I know. I know the Ravens. Lamar Jackson gets a bad rep for his passing work, in my opinion. I don't think that he's a great passer, but I do think he's at least average-ish. He can get the job done. And I strongly believe that the Baltimore Ravens will tweak their passing work to go from 32nd passing volume to at a minimum like 25th, 26th. I think they will bump it up to the point where the fantasy, some of the fantasy options at wide receiver are more relevant because here's the thing. If you were an offensive coordinator in Baltimore with that receiving room, would you want to give them targets? I wouldn't. I want to run the ball and throw to Mark Andrews too. Now we have guys like Rashad Bateman, Hollywood Brown, Sammy Watkins, Tylen Wallace, etc. I think we have a good enough receiving core where we can pass the ball a little bit more. So that being said, I don't think that Bateman's going to light the world on fire in Baltimore. I don't think the passing volume is going to be there, but he was my wide receiver four in pure talent in this draft class going in before. I think he's a really good NFL wide receiver. I love this film, really balanced all around guy. And I think if everything lines up for him, correct, I think he could be one of the steals of the rookie drafts right now. Um, in the future, I mean, Baltimore, I, I'm not saying this is what it was, but the, one of the biggest lessons I've learned over the past couple of years playing fantasy is that don't get too grossed out by landing spots because things can change overnight. The example I always give is AJ Brown, right? He got drafted to the Titans when Mariota was still the quarterback. Big difference between Mariota and Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson is way more talented and he's not going to get replaced anytime soon, uh, barring any God unforsaken injuries. But I do think that the landing spot is better than people perceive, kind of like AJ Brown, the Tennessee. Things could easily change in their scheme to feed Rashad Bateman, and he could easily be one of the greatest deals in fantasy drafts right now. So I got him at the 202 the other day in a super flex. I'm thrilled with that as a first round draft capital investment to a talented wide receiver. 
landing spot aside, I think he will succeed along the way. That's that. Um, pre-draft, everybody knows I was a pretty big fan of Rashad Bateman. Uh, I like him. I do think Baltimore is going to have to eventually bump up some type of passing, right? You can't go down from that type of fucking volume. But Absolutely. Do I believe in Lamar Jackson as the overall quarterback? No. Do I think he can support some sort of fantasy talent? Sure, as like a wide receiver too. I think Bateman's a really good wide receiver. It's funny because I think he's like kind of like Sammy Watkins where like Sammy Watkins does a lot of things well on an NFL field that opens up things for other NF like for other players on that field. Doesn't always get the fantasy love because, well, let's face it. He doesn't really give any fucking fantasy reasons to give him love, but um, I think Bateman's a really good, a really good actual football player. I hope it'll transition well to the NFL. Um, you said you got him at two hundred two. It's yeah. funny. I've actually I've had this de- this dilemma myself around the two hundred two range on if I'm going to take him or if I'm going to take Elijah Moore. That's uh, seems to be where where I'm I'm tossing coins. Where I like Bateman more as the prospect, but I like Elijah Moore's situation where I think he's going to see a little bit more. But that's I think the receiving room is a little bit more crowded there for me. It's like in Baltimore, they have Hollywood and Watkins, but I feel like Bateman's more talented than both those guys. But I mean, Mims more in Corey Davis. I mean, it's kind of a weird trio as far uh, and Crowder's still there, as we mentioned a little earlier, I'm pretty sure. But um, it'll be interesting to see what happens in that receiving room. See, Crowder's the one that kind of like gives me the pause, right? Like, where Elijah Moore doesn't do the things that I think Corey Davis and Denzel Mims were, they're going to cannibalize each other. And the, the roles open for Elijah Moore where Bateman, I think kind of does the same things that like um, Sammy Watkins does. Like I was saying earlier, I'm not really that concerned with Tylen Wallace. I was not on that camp in, in Twitter. So um, I don't really think he's that big of a concern either, uh, but no. I could be wrong about that. No, I, I agree. He's definitely become far less of a concern, and I love Taylor Wallace leading up to it. But then when you go and when you draft Rashad Bayman, and you got Taylor Wallace, and then you got Miles Boykin, that wide receiver room is looking a lot fuller of a lot of guys who do a lot of the same stuff. So, I mean, you're obviously going to – I believe you're going to go with where you've invested the most capital in, which is Rashad Bateman, and mm-hmm. the expectation will be that he's the one who's going to take the bulk of the share and he's going to succeed. Um so to finish, to wrap up the wide receivers, I want a name, a singular name for an underrated <clears throat> landing spot or pick for fantasy, an overrated landing spot and pick for fantasy, and a sleeper for 2021 and beyond for fantasy. One name for each of them. If you really need to elaborate, you got like 10 10 seconds to elaborate. Ooh, ooh, let me let me research this a little bit real quick. Okay, Jim, we'll start with you. You got names? Yeah, I got some names, man. So uh my underrated landing spot and pick for fantasy is the Sun God Amon Ross St. Brown in Detroit. Uh my overrated landing spot. It's funny that uh we just talked about him. I, th- I thought it was Devontae Smith. I think he's gonna get overdrafted. Um Boo. 
<laughs> and uh, my sleeper pick for for 2021, and well, not really 2021, but beyond 2021, taxi squad guy is uh, Jalen Durden. I like it. I like it. Darden Darden spot spot broke my heart. His landing spot broke my heart. Same. Yeah. My, me my, too. my underrated wide receiver move, and you're gonna love this one, Jim. Is Nico Collins in Houston? I think it's just a massive opportunity there in Houston. No matter what, I understand the concern with with uh, with Watson going out, but. Someone's got to catch that football. Brandon Cooks, and then what? Um, overrated wide receiver. We talked about it pre-show. Kadarius Tony for me. Everyone's like, Daniel Jones can sustain two wide receiver twos. See, I don't think he's overrated. I feel like everyone hates Tony. I don't I don't know, man. The way he's being drafted, I don't know. I still think he's not going to reach expectation. Two years under Daniel Jones, zero wide receiver twos are better. Zero. And I understand the aspect of, well, you were missing your top running back last year, but the year before, what's the excuse? And then um, my sleeper is Des Fitzpatrick with Tennessee, 100% opportunity there. There's 200, over 220 vacated shares there. So, Absolutely. All right. So All for right. My, my, my trio, uh, my underrated pick, uh, Jim kind of mad at you, still my favorite wide receiver, my, my love, my darling, I'm on Ross St. Brown. Um, I loved his talent. I was really disappointed how far he fell in draft as far as draft capital went. I thought he was going to be the second or third round guy. But the Detroit Lions is a fantastic landing spot for him. There's nobody there. And I think he's an extremely talented wide receiver, so he could eat. Uh, my overrated landing spot, sorry, it's Rondell Moore's there on the Cardinals. Not going to lie. Um, I think DeAndre Hopkins just destroys any ceiling for a fantasy wide receiver, TBH. I mean, he is on the field. I, it was actually a question of Fantasy Jeopardy tonight. He led the NFL in uh, snap count. He's on the field every single play. He is the primary read in every play. And I'm not going to lie. I was not too impressed with Rondell Moore's film. I just, I, It just wasn't for me. The average depth of target was like three yards. He doesn't get any downfield work. I just don't think that he's going to be a relevant fantasy option week to week. I think his ceiling is like if Paris Campbell and Curtis Samuel had a baby, like I, I just don't really, I just don't really know what he can be. Uh, I, I, Arizona is a fine landing spot. I just think that it's a bit overrated right now. Uh, and then my deep, deep sleeper is Austin Watkins. I really like this film. I know he's really unknown and San Francisco is pretty crowded, but I just really like this film. I'm rooting for the guy a lot, and I picked him really late in my third round uh, of a rookie draft recently. He's a taxi squad guy. It'll take a year or two. Training camp will be really important for him. We'll see how it goes. I agree. Like the more statement it. is 100% true. More and Tony, same thing. The reason you see such a low average depth of target and that they are gadget guys, they cannot beat press coverage. And if you can't beat it in college, you're sure as hell ain't coming to the NFL and beating that press coverage or any type of man coverage. The height of more just scares me too. Like I'm not a big BMI guy at all, but he's five, seven. Like that is small. Like, really small. And, like, I know people have succeeded at that size, but it's so, 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 so rare. I just don't get it. Curtis Campbell, I love it. That's Rondell Moore right there, man. All right, so we'll move into tight ends. I had four names written down, but we're definitely just going to talk about the two big ones. Um, yeah, but quick shout out. <laughs> a quick shout out before we move on to Viridian Global. Um, you can find all of their great merchandise that we rock week in and week out here. I got the A-team shirt. Jim's Man, got the I'm gold jacket pot. Gold jacket yeah, quarterback. Love your, love your uh, <laughs> merch, by the way. The logo is really nice. 
Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Uh, so yeah, shout out to Viridian Global for making that merchandise become actually a true dream of ours. Um, check them out, VeridianGlobal.com. Their fantasy football collective is, is growing and just a collection of stuff that they have, especially their post-draft merchandise is pretty wicked. VeridianGlobal.com, at Viridian Global on Twitter. Um, so you can support and us Antonio Gibson retweet one of their tweets, eh? Antonio Gibson did loved Love his uh, loved Gibson. his Antonio oh, Gibson. <laughs> it loved his Antonio Gibson shirt that they made for him. So yeah. Luke's, Luke's getting something clearly to do with maybe Antonio Gibson. I would think so. That's from my card my card wall over here behind me. That's an Antonio Gibson autograph jersey patch rookie card. Oh, beautiful. I love it. Beauty. Love it. Um, so, I mean, this one, I think that needs very little discussion because I don't think Landon's fault was of debate at any point in this. Me and Jim have been kind of like pushing him down, but it feels like us two pushing down with our four, four arms is doing nothing because there's like millions of arms pushing the other direction. Um, Kyle Pitts landed in Atlanta as an Atlanta wait, 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 Falcon. Wait, wait. Time out. You don't like the landing spot? No, 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 no. We were, we were we just like pushing. The spot. Yeah, we like the landing spot. Like the spot. We, our we like the prospect. Our argument was how and I'm such so. My argument was how high you end up taking them in, in your super flex rookie drafts. Yeah, premium. I get and that. And I debated with somebody, and actually today I had the 101, and I didn't need to take a quarterback. I had Dak Prescott, Tua, Fitz, and and Matt Ryan for now. Um, I traded Dak Prescott for three first, three seconds. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, it's two first. It was the first and second for the next three years. So it was the 105, 205 this year. I took Trevor Lawrence. With the 105, I took Kyle Pitts because it's a super flex premium. And before I said it, I said, I'm taking offers for this Pitts. Oops, I mean picks. And uh, just, threw, just threw that out there to see what I could get. That's funny. I um, like that. And uh, – yeah, so I kind of feel hypocritical because I didn't think I would ever really take him that high, but his value is is there, right? So, like, it doesn't matter if he even sees a snap on my team. The fact that I could probably trade him for a tight end like TJ Hawkinson and a future second or TJ Hawkinson and, and another throwing player, but that's not what I'd be looking for. You can do yeah. it. So the, I think the value is there, and that was after talking to uh, Dinostronomus on the max value roster build, him and uh, Josh McLeod. And so I, I took him. I took him today. So I just got to tell people that mm-hmm. I'm hypocritical. If he's there at 105 and you're in a tight end premium league, fucking take him, trade trade him. If you don't need him, just the value's there. Yeah, I'm I just think for, for, me, for me, I think the biggest thing is like you think about just – we talk about outliers. We talk about like Devonta Smith. We talk about the outliers. And at the tight end position, this is a major outlier. Like he's an athletic oh, yeah. freak. I get that. But like that's the thing. He's a – massive outlier you look at like there's no debate inside the top well there so it was for it was kelsey was kill it was Ertz for a while now it's kelsey kill and waller like we never talk outside of the top three tight ends it's like who's the best value grab the best value because the top from four to ten shifts like astronomically shifts we year in and year out no matter what so to think that there could be a fourth added to that top three it's like that's the major outlier. And then the value that you had to put on Kyle Pitts. I think that was the biggest thing with me and Jim was just a value that you had to put on him and the idea that maybe 
there's this fourth tight end that's not going to take two, three, four years to come out and emerge. That's the thing that we talk about outliers, and that was the biggest thing for us. See, for me, like, I don't think, like, I didn't, I don't think he's going to be the tight end four. I don't, I don't think that at all. But I think that his value is so high that there was no other player that I could take at 105 that would maintain the value in the trade back or Jamar Chase. Or, no, <laughs> not in this. Not in this, man. Like, again, you can get the wide receivers that score like him. Like, it doesn't matter. But to get a to get a tight end that's scoring two and a half points per reception when everyone else is getting one. Oh yeah, I forgot it was a tight end premium. I'm surprised he made it to the 105. I was in one. Yeah, me, I was hoping to get him with two, the I gambled 105 and, or 106, but I think he went 103. I was gambling and I had it there, so it went um, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Trey Lance was the three, and then I knew I was set because now I knew I was either going to be Najee Harris or Pitts was going to be my was going to be my five. And I was just going to take either one that fell, and then they both came to me, and that's when I was really. Oh, wait, wait. You took Pitts over Najee. Yeah, I took Pitts over Najee because he's oh. going to hold the val- he's going to hold the value. Mm-hmm. Ah, that's a good point. Yeah, I, I mean, like if he if he's Steelers part couldn't do it. I, I, I want Najee, and like the fact of the matter is though, like I can trade Pitts for okay. Perfect example: I could trade Pitts for like a Noah Fant and a fucking RB two to, to fill my need. Probably. Need, right. Like, like, like a Miles Sanders type of fucking running back, a running back. that's going to get the bulk of the carries on his team. A Joel Mixon is a perfect example. Everyone seems to be low on him. I could probably get like a, a good tight end and, and Nixon thrown in for that, but I couldn't do that with Najee. I couldn't get, I couldn't trade Najee for, for those two players. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing with, with Pitts is like, like when you look at the top three tight ends that are there, they, are wide receiver ones. They are wide receiver two. So the value is just huge on a guy like that. If he can hit his ceiling, if he can smash through that ceiling and be up there with the Kelsey's and the Kittles of the world, he's a wide receiver one. He's a wide receiver two. Like if we don't even have to talk about him as a tight end. And I don't trade him. And if he's on my team week one and he blows up, the return on him is huge. Mm-hmm. Absolutely huge because people are just trying – they're chasing the opportunity for that unicorn. And he's been described as a unicorn. Like people are trying to chase that Travis Kelsey 25 point week, 30 point week, set it and forget it. That gets you, that gets you, you know, one and a half fucking positions and in, in your, in your flex spot. So they're trying to chase that. So. Yeah. And I think like if, if they actually move on from Julio, I think that's a big thing too. Like that's a massive opportunity opening up. And, and like, what's what? Who who's he fighting for targets with? Like a guy like Russell Gage or Mike Davis or Hayden Hurst as a second tight end. Like that would be huge if they end up moving Julio too. Like that just spikes the value even more. His value would just completely blow through the roof at that point. Um, but I mean, I think we all can agree Kyle Pitts is potentially a unicorn. He's a massive outlier. He's that guy who can end up being like he's he could be he could make that tight end the top three tight ends turn into our top four tight ends year in and year out. We're looking at those four. So that'll be interesting to see. I know Luke's waiting to talk about this guy. He wants to talk about Pat Fryermuth who landed in Pittsburgh. So Luke, we'll, we'll let you talk about, we talked about a little bit pre-show about Eric Ebron and Eric Ebron's out after this year. And this is the guy you've been waiting for. So take it away. 
Yeah, for sure. So to put it lightly, Steelers need a tight end really bad for a long-term solution, right? I like Eric Ebron. I was really happy when they signed him for a two-year deal. His contract is actually extremely cheap. It was a two-year, $12 million contract, only $6 million a year. Very, really affordable, honestly. I mean, Jimmy Graham, uh, Jimmy Grandpa signed in Chicago for more than that. Um, but they need a blocking tight end terribly bad. Um, they had Vance McDonald in that role, but he retired. And so Eric Ebron can't block to save his life. So their tight end room was Eric Ebron, Zach Gentry, and a bunch of dudes. Zach Gentry is arguably one of the bunch of dudes. So it was basically Eric Ebron and a bunch of dudes. And Pat Fryermuth does a lot of things for them. It adds a blocking tight end. It adds a receiving viable receiving tight end. And when Eric Ebron is gone next year after a full year of development behind Ebron and getting in blocking roles, he can be an every-down kind of player. He'll be out there. He has great receiving capabilities. I saw a stat on Twitter the other day that he had, did not drop a single red, red zone target in his time at Penn State. He was like 50 for 50 or something, which is absolutely bonkers. Um, and he's a really good red zone threat tight end with really strong, secure hands. He's like the prototypical tight end. Like if you close your eyes in the sink of like a tight end, it's a guy like Pat Fryermuth. He's a big dude. He can block well. He can catch the ball with strong hands. He can go up and get it in the red zone. And I feel like he's a great long-term option, especially in tight end premium leagues. He'll be going in second rounds in tight end premium leagues. And it's a great one-year hold for a long-term gain. And I think Friar moves to an excellent fantasy value, not even being biased. Um, seriously, like I have more insight because I'm a Steelers fan, but I would never overdraft players just because they're on the Steelers. And I think Friar Muth is a great option right now, especially in Dynasty, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think it was up for debate whether it would be Friar Muth or Jordan as like a tight end two out of this class. And Brevin Jordan like plummeted. Like there has to be some sort of feeling of concern that Brevin Jordan dropped to the fifth round to the Houston Texans. I get that, you know, the where he dropped to maybe might be a good spot. Like, you know, somebody's got to catch a ball there. We talked about like Nico mm-hmm. Collins. We've talked about like the, the targets that are there. His biggest threat is Jordan Aikens to any type of work as a tight end. But I mean, you have to think. I wearing. Don't they got or, like 15? Or Cahill <laughs> wearing. Yep. Yep. If we're, if I didn't realize the Cahill wearing dream was still alive and well. No, I'm like, just throwing out the guy like 15 <laughs> tight ends. Alive, baby. I'm just <laughs> throwing that out there. Him and Chris Erden are somewhere. But but yeah, like that that's my that's my thing. It's just kind of like you have to expect that there's concern there with Brevin Jordan. Like everybody was like touting this guy. He's a, he could be the tight end two. Pat Farmuth arguably tight end two. They were interchangeably two and three. It depended who you were. And then Brevin Jordan plummets to the fifth round of the draft and lands in Houston. Like I I mean that 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 has to have some people concerned. I mean we often have we like like Jim said earlier. We have to change our rankings we have to change our thought process a little bit if the nfl sees a guy that lower sees a guy that much higher than we see him so i mean pat farmuth for me he definitely got a really great landing spot especially when eric ebron's out of the picture even with eric ebron in the picture i think he's an optimal weapon especially like you said from the blocking standpoint you trust pat farmuth to block at tight end way more than you trust eric ebron to block at tight end I probably can block just as good as Eric Ebron. Well, one, he doesn't try, and two, he's terrible at it. Uh, I don't think Fryermuth is going to be anything for fantasy this season at all. Uh, they already have Claypool, Deontay, and Juju, which is crowded enough. Ebron didn't do too much last year, and he's like the ultimate receiving mm-hmm. weapon at tight end. Uh, Fryermuth will be, at best, a top 24 wide receiver. I mean, not wide receiver, tight end. 
but he will barely get any passing usage, I don't think. I mean, he'll probably have a few touchdowns. He'll be on the field a lot for blocking, but I don't think he'll be used in the receiving game very often, unless he really just develops like perfectly and hell like takes the job away from Ebron. I don't really see that happening, especially on receiving plays, especially, but he'll definitely be on the field a lot. And I think that's one of the reasons I think he'll succeed is because he could develop into a guy. I mean, I'm not saying he's going to become George Kittle, but like a George Kittle kind of tight end or a Gronk kind of tight end that is a blocker, but is also a very capable receiver and can stay on the field for every down. Yeah, definitely. No, I couldn't agree more with that uh, on the Pat Farmer thing. I think that's someone you got taken. You got probably put on your your taxi squad, and hopefully you can wait till the next year, and hopefully Juju's gone, Ebron's gone, no re-signing happening there. Hopefully the QB situation isn't as muddy as what we saw throughout this offseason. Hopefully it's a little less muddier next year as well. So I think that, that the expectation for Pat Firemuth would be taxi squad, get him at a decent value. He's going to be that guy that you're taking in fantasy when you're taking shots in the dark. When you're sitting there and you're like, do I take this wide receiver? Oh, wait, here's Pat Firemuth kind of thing. Like you sit there and you have that type of situation. Um, so before we finish up, we will do the same thing that we did with the wide receivers, but at the tight end position, I want an underrated tight end move or fantasy overrated tight end move or for fantasy and then a sleeper for fantasy we'll start with you jim so underrated landing spot is also probably going to be my sleeper landing spot because i don't really hear anybody talking about him but it's uh it's my boy yoba out of oldness um signed with the jets he could be the next Chris Hurden where uh, everybody keeps drafting him and he never even shows up on your own fantasy roster. I don't know, but I liked him. He's fucking cheap. Uh, <laughs> he's a sleeper for a reason. Nobody's really drafted him in your rookie drafts. Uh, nobody drafts him in the NFL draft, for God's mm-hmm. sakes. I'm pretty sure he was undrafted. So, um, But he signed. He's with the Jets. He's there. There's no real competition there. Like I said, nobody's ever seen Chris Hurden. He signed a contract. Nobody's ever seen him since. Um, so that's it. That actually takes care of two of them overrated oh man i don't even know if there's such a thing as an overrated tight end now (laughs) (laughs) um it's not kyle pitts man because uh he'd be the only one i guess is overrated if he busts with that draft capital but i can't really i can't see any of them man i can't i can't see anybody saying yeah i'll 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 jump in next so my sleeper is kenny boa too we'll save the thing the ghost said that sam darnold we're seeing was probably chris herndon um (laughs) so i mean for me kenny boa is definitely a guy like he he's a guy i think he was second in the draft class in yards after the catch at the tight end position behind brevin jordan so he's a guy who's going to create a lot for you his block and maybe in question but i mean what else do you block in at the tight end position in New York? So I, for me, Kenny Yaboa, um, underrated tight end move, I think is Hunter Long. Hunter Long is a, he's an okay blocker. He's a decent receiving tight end option. And I think Hunter Long, especially with the draft capital, because I think they took him in the third round, is a, is a sign to Mike Kosicki, get your shit together or you're packing your bags and you're out too. Like he's running at a time and Hunter Long is that, that option that they're saying – they're threatening him with is get it together this year or you're out. So Hunter Long is an underrated one because you might have to wait a year, but I think he's someone who will end up taking a job in Miami. My overrated was Tommy Tremble in Carolina. That draft capital was immense on a tight end that he's sharing with DJ Moore. I sharing a piece of the power with DJ Moore. 
Christian McCaffrey, Robbie Anderson, Terrace Marshall. And when we did our divisional breakdowns last season, me and Jim talked about it and Jim brought up the name Ian Thomas for whatever reason. I still don't understand to this very day, but don't we'll talk about it again on that message show. (laughs) Don't don't trust a Carolina tight end. Simple. There's not enough pie there, and the pie is passed along to way more trusted people than Tommy Tremble or Ian Thomas. Well, this is going to be awkward. So um, <laughs> my underrated landing spot is Tommy Tremble, and my overrated landing spot is Hunter Long uh, for a couple of reasons. So uh, I think Tommy Tremble, like you just said you don't like Carolina Panthers tight ends. I just think there's a lot more path to relevancy for fantasy uh, in Carolina there for Tremble. Um, I think a lot of people think that Tremble is just a blocking guy. And I don't think that's necessarily the case because uh, he was playing behind like one of the best tight ends in the country. Uh, make Take that as you will with his actual talent. That's fine. I'm not a huge Tremble fan. This is all a bit of a reach because, you know, it's tight end. No one really cares. But uh, Tremble, he is more of a blocking guy, but he has a lot of interesting tools for his receiving pr- prowess. And I think that he could develop into something there and he could become the starter eventually. We'll see. Uh, and then for long, I just... I just don't think he'll be the starter. I think the Gasicki's good enough. I think he's a pretty good real life tight end, and I feel like Long will just be a backup. That's the only reason. I just think that <laughs> I just think there's a harder path of relevance for him there. But like you said, they can easily get rid of him. So grasping and straws. And then for my sleeper, I guess it would just have to be Brevin Jordan. Just because I mean the draft capital scared people away. But wait, I already said my sleeper. Wait, what is it again? No, you got it. You got it. You're right. Overrated good. sleeper. Yep, cool. yep, you got it. Sleepers, Revan Jordan, still not too big of a sleeper, but a lot of people faded him just because of the uh, lesser draft capital, which is completely understandable. But Houston desperately needs a tight end. And Revan Jordan, I think the reason he's more valuable for fantasy football is like Eric Ebron, he's in a very good pass catching tight end. He won't be on the field for blocking downs. He's not a good blocker at all, but he is a fantastic route runner, uh, good mismatch cut mismatch creator and i feel like if utilized the correct way brevin jordan could really be an excellent value yeah no i i completely agree i see the value in brevin jordan i just like i like when we're looking at wide receivers it's like somebody's got to catch a ball but when you're looking at brevin jordan you're looking at the tight end situation it's like i feel like there's a little more quarterback dependence and and what's what that quarterback's gonna look like if it's deshaun watson or if it's davis mills or if it's tyrod taylor but somebody pointed out on Twitter that every time that Tyrod Taylor starts before a rookie quarterback, it ends up being a stud. So <laughs> maybe there's some some sort of uh, something there with Davis Mills that we just don't know about because of Tyrod Taylor. We'll have to wait and see. But this has been awesome, guys. Definitely, we got to thank the listeners. We got to thank the watchers uh, of the stream, the listeners of the podcast. Make sure you rate, review, like, or comment wherever you're listening or watching. We always are looking to improve the show. Um, we've had an absolute blast bringing you on, Luke. Thank you so much for coming on. To let people know where they can find you, where they can find your work, quick shameless plug. I'll make it shameless as possible, I guess. Just follow me on Twitter. It's just at Luke Sawhook. It's Luke and then Saw and then Hook. 
Uh, exactly how it sounds. Don't overthink it. I promise. It's not like some <laughs> European thing. It is not at all. Um, but anyway, yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. I uh, did not make it easy on you today, especially you, Jim. Uh, we had a lot of debates. But, uh, I love yeah. it, man. I, like I don't I back down. I don't back there. down. I will hold my ground no matter what, even if I'm wrong. No, I'm just kidding. I definitely don't have a problem with changing my opinions if I'm wrong. But I was not Absolutely. wrong ever today. Uh, <laughs> we, should make a bet. we should make a bet on Devontae Smith in some fashion. Oh man, I'm all for I'm all for the charity bets. Charity bets would be good. I am broke, but anything twenty dollars or less, I'm the man. Um, Yeah, yeah. we we can do anything you need. We can do water bets, charity bets, anything you want. I'm down to humiliate myself on the internet. So uh, let's do that. (laughs) So so is Jim. Don't worry about it. No, no, my daughters are down to humiliate me on the internet. I don't (laughs) really ever want to be wrong. (laughs) Even better, even better. We can make a bet on Devonta Smith in some fashion. And uh, that'd be great. We'll Jim, figure, would we'll you would you be insane enough to bet me that Devontae's that that you think that Jalen Rager will have a better fantasy season than Devontae Smith? Ooh, like wow. right off the cuff, it's like I feel like he's been prepared for this ever since I was battling on. He's not unquestioned and all this. He's had this <laughs> oh, like brewing in the background. I think that was by far your worst take of the night. Not gonna lie. Oh man. <laughs> okay, yeah, sure. I'll I'll take that. That he has a better <laughs> fantasy season. Oh, this is easy money for me, Connor. How do you feel? How well, do you it's feel easy money for your charity, right? Whatever you're gonna pick, but I'll bet. I'll bet for the. I'll bet for that outlier of 175 pound. I'll go for. Uh, oh, I need to decide between. I'll either do uh, Scott Fish's charity, the uh, like the Fantasy Cares, I think it's called, or yeah. Uh, yeah. Mindfulness First is a charity I did a 12 hour live stream for past uh, this past January. Um, so one of those two, I'll figure it out. But I'll Perfect. be accepting your money next sometime this next coming year. So. Hey, I man, love it. This, is, this is fun. This is fun. I love it. What a way to end the show. Yeah, I love it, man. That's Twitter's going to roast you alive when I tweet this. <laughs> oh, yeah. We'll see. Yes. We'll bookmark it. We'll see. Dude, It'll be fun. Yeah. It'll be fun. Pin, the, pin that shit, both of you. Pin wait, that hey, shit and get ready. Wait, when he beats him by like point. Two because they both have fucking terrible fantasy seasons. They oh. both get hurt like three, and they like break or like catch a touchdown or something. And he'll, he'll finish like wide receiver like seventy three and like eighty one. It'll be like <laughs> two garbage cans, but like Rager will finish higher because they got injured like week two or something. I just can't. Don't 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 talk about my Eagles like that. I gotta think a bit more. Yeah, let's just give him a second agony with this. He's like, my God, they're ripping my team apart. So definitely yeah. look out uh, on Twitter for that tweet. You can follow Jim at Gold Jacket QBs. He's going to pin the shit out of that tweet because he's about yeah. to lose 20 bucks. Uh, follow <laughs> Luke. Follow Luke Sawhook and all the work that he does, especially on, all over the uh, social media world. You can follow me at Connor10 on Twitter as well. And make sure you follow the entire True North Fantasy Football crew. That You can find them on us on Twitter at True North FFB. Uh, on YouTube, the TNFF Network. A uh, quick round of applause there. We just went over Woo. 250 subscribers over there, and we are continuing to grow. So smash subscribe on that TNFF Network on YouTube. And then you can find us on the internet at truenorthffb.com. Uh, we're going to see you next Tuesday because we have a wicked guest that we're bringing Damian Parsons back. We were talking with Damian uh, pre draft about landing spots now we actually have the landing spots we're going to talk quarterbacks and running backs next week with damien so we will see you all next week